Ronaldo vai partir para a bola, Ronaldo, Ronaldo vai partir, paradinha, atirou, golo! Já está! Já está! Já está! Hello and welcome to Portugal podcast number 102. My name is Tom Cundert and I'm joined by coach and Portuguese journalist Tiago Esteval to discuss the latest goings on in the wonderful world of Portuguese football. Hi Tiago, how are you? Hey guys, how are you? I'm fine. Good stuff. Today we will be focusing on the Liga Noz title race. But, first of all, we can't start without tipping our hat to another fantastic performance by Benfica in Europe. Benfica travelled to Russia, where they had only won once in their seven previous visits, and they promptly saw off Zenit St. Petersburg to reach the Champions League quarter-finals for the first time in four years. Late goals by Nico Gaetan and Talishka gave the Portuguese champions a 2-1 victory, and a 3-1 win overall on aggregate. So, Thiago, first of all, let's just focus on Benfica's European campaign. They have scored in every match. They've won five out of their eight games, which is actually a club record in the Champions League. And they are, in the last eight, I think no one can really doubt, on merit. So, what has been the key to their success in Europe, in your opinion? And... Can Benfica fans dream of going that little bit further? Well, Benfica has been great in the Champions League this year. And even with a lot of people questioning their capacities, they've been putting in enough work to, to go through. If you if you go back and look at the group stage, you see that Benfica won the first two matches, at home v Astana and away at Atletico, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's, that was extremely important. I think Benfica's group was, I wouldn't call it an easy group, but for a Champions League group, I think it was more than possible for Benfica to go through. I mean, Astana were debutants, and Galatasaray is under Benfica's level, in my opinion, and in a good day, Benfica can always beat them. So, even with Atletico's difficult competition, Benfica had all the chances to go through if they, if they put in the work. And they did. Uh, something really important for that was winning v versus Atletico. I think that that was massive, more in a sense of confidence and morale than than anything else. And that, especially such a, in such an early time in the campaign, because it wasn't just in the second match day. So they came from a relatively easy win at home v Astana, and then they won in Spain, where when no one no one was expecting it. So. They, that gave them a lot of confidence and a lot of morale to, to keep on working. They unfortunately managed to lost in Turkey, but they they won at home via Galatasaray and Astana helped them out by by keeping Galatasaray at bay twice. So I I think that Benfica's group really helped them, but 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 the win via Atletico was really important in the. In in this stage, Vizanet, I think it wasn't it wasn't that difficult of a draw again. I mean, having in account that it's Champions League football and that you could have had literally any of the other powerhouses, you got Zenit, and 
while Zenit is a really tough team, Zenit isn't doing great in the league. They're not. They're probably most likely not going to win the league. And the Village Board was really focused on the Champions League, and they did a great, great, great uh, Champions League campaign in the group stage. But it's still a team that's manageable in the sense of they're more or less Benfica's quality. And if Benfica is in a good day and they're organized and it's what they did twice, they can beat them and they've, they've shown it. Like uh, I say it again, I think Benfica had the luck on their side, but you work to get that luck. In yeah. Portugal, Benfica managed to get the last minute goal that was extremely, extremely important for the for for them to go through and but they did work for that goal. They had other chances and they managed to take that one in the last minute. And now in Russia, I think they they played more even better. I'd say because Zenit had more of an attacking approach. Benfica were playing with one central back basically and one adaptation of Samaris. And I think it was good for them. I think that Zenit Benfica had a little bit of luck because. Every time that Zubo had to confront Samaric, because Zenit set themselves up in a way that Zubo would always end up facing Samaric, and that was that was tough because Samaric isn't used to that position. Samaric was always uh, not always, but often caught off guard, and Zubo had like two, three chances to score, and he never did in front of in front of Ederson, who had a great game. But if it did play well, uh, Faiza had a fantastic first half. Faiza and Khnat Sanchez in the midfield is something that I th- I'd say that's the key for Benfica this season. The one, once Rubitaria managed to understand that Sanchez and Faiza are the best midfield duo that Benfica can have, in my opinion, and once they start working together, everything went a lot better. Faiza, Faiza yeah. had three important ball-winning tackles in the first half, I'd say, that I can remember at least, and and he's pivotal for, for the side, and then Sanchez was just super important going forward, and super important to I'm sorry, that was mine. Uh, <laughs> super important going through going, going up front, and I think I think they did well. I think those two are, are key pieces, and when, when you were in the in, early in the season, and you'd think you'd think that Samaris was gonna be a starter every match, and now you look at the team and with Faiza and Sanchez, and they just they flow a lot better, in my opinion. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I think actually uh, Rui Vitoria, I remember he surprised once or twice because, like you said, uh, Samaris started the season very strongly, yeah. but when when Faiza was uh, fit, of course he's always got fitness problems, he tended to pick uh, Faiza. And, uh, of course, uh, it's worked out very well. Like you say, that's really a very strong midfield partnership there at the base of the midfield, uh, him and him and Renato Sanchez. Uh, the only thing with Faja, of course, is uh, for, if you look at throughout his whole career, even before he came to Benfica, he's one of these players who uh, has v- you know, a very bad uh, injury record. Yeah. And it's very difficult for him to play uh, two matches a week, I think. Uh, let alone one match a week sometimes. Yeah. So, uh, do you think perhaps that could be a key to Benfica the, the rest of their season if he can somehow if stay he fit? fit? Yeah, that yeah. would be a big difference. 
Fraser staying fit is is always trouble. I think that now we realize that how, how good of a player Fraser is and how, how good of a player he could have been if he always stayed fit. Because I don't, not to undervalue Benfica, but I don't, like, it, that, this is his biggest stage of his career so far. Because yeah. everywhere he went, he just had a lot of injuries. And he played well, and then injuries. And when when he came from Greece, no one really expected much from him. And mostly because of the injuries. No one could really see the the true player that he was, because most of the time he played under negative physical conditions, as per se. And now... Now he's fit and he's showing how good of a player he can be. Let's see, let's see how, how for how long does he stay fit. But that's the thing: if he doesn't stay fit, Samaris can come in. And while I I don't think that Samaris and Sanchez are as good as some as Sanchez and Fraser, Samaris is a quality player, and it won't. The difference isn't as huge as if Jonas got injured or as if. Oh no, Gaetan got injured. Yeah. Despite Fraser having a great influence in the team. Yeah. Yeah, of course, uh, Nemanja Matic, uh, I remember him giving an interview a few months ago and he said that he thought Fraser was the best uh, defensive midfielder in Portugal. Of course, you have to take into account he may be a little biased because, <laughs> of course, <laughs> he's, he's Serbian and, of course, because of his Benfica connections. But that raised a few eyebrows at the time. Of course, we've got William Carvalho and Ruben Neves. There's some, you know, two excellent defensive midfielders yeah uh, not to talk about Danilo yeah exactly Danilo yeah he's been uh, fantastic this season so uh, I think uh, I suppose the conclusion we can come to is that uh, he really uh, whether or not is the best or not that's probably a difficult one to yeah. to answer but he's definitely a, a, a really top class player and could make a big difference to Benfica's end of season if he stays fit ok really so Thiago now uh, Let's have a look at what's turning out to be a thrilling title race. Uh, Benfica's perfect week began with the Lisbon derby victory against Sporting last Saturday at Alvalade. Uh, Sporting had been top for practically the whole of the previous four months, but that defeat saw Jorge Jesus' side fall to second, two points behind Benfica. Uh, how big a blow was that defeat to Sporting's chances, uh, in your opinion? Some have even suggested it could be game over for the Lions, given that they've got a very difficult uh, remaining schedule in their remaining matches. Well, no one can really predict the future, but it's definitely going to affect them. Well, I would, I didn't consider Sporting's defeat a surprise, because Sporting's second half of the season has been poor, and they haven't been doing great, and Benfica's rise didn't help them. I think they've they accused the pressure a lot. And with Benfica's rise, Sporting didn't rise at all. And Sporting had a really good first half of the season, and in the second half, even even while saving players in the and not prioritizing the Europa League, Benfica always managed to keep basically the same side in Champions League and in the in the league. Sporting made a lot of changes. Sporting, okay, we got the the thirteen central back partnerships for Sporting. I yeah. Think. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's insane. Thirteen <laughs> central back partnerships. That's that's a lot. And that while that didn't affect the team too much defensively, because Sporting is still the best defense in the team in the in the league. Um, that can affect the team playing from the back because they might not they are not used to it, and it's different always. 
and it always gives William Carvalho a different a different role, depending on the central backs. And I think it affect, everything affected Sporting a lot. I didn't I didn't consider the defeat a surprise. I mean, Sporting did did play well most of the, most of the match, but Benfica were really really well really well organized and they did well. And I think now. We'll see, because we haven't seen Benfica alone at the top, and we haven't seen Sporting chasing it. And yeah. we'll see how, how how things go, how things go starting from this weekend, because we've been seeing the scenery the other way around. Yeah. But something I'd like to point out that is really different from uh, on this Sporting side, and it's to me it's different because. I'm comparing this sporting side to last year's Benfica side because Jesus. So, you, offensively, sporting hasn't been great. Let's just say that. Sporting has been quite poor offensively. And I think the main reason for that is that sporting doesn't have a solid set and striker that adapted well with Simani. And while you look at Benfica's past years with Jesus, he, there were a lot of good Benfica forwards who tended to score a lot of goals from Cardoso to Rodrigo to Lima to Jonas and arguably the best partnership that Benfica had was Lima and Jonas I'd say and they managed to score a lot of goals last year and they scored both and sporting with Slimani Slimani has been scoring most of the team's goals by a large margin that's to me, the the key piece to Sporting's not flow, flowing that well offensively is the lack of a second striker. And I like I like Ryan Ruiz a lot. I think he's a fantastic player, but he's more of a player who likes to set up his teammates than a scorer himself. Playing there, and even the wingers are not as they don't tend to get as much as many goal scoring opportunities as they did in Mefica. In my opinion. João Mario playing from the wing is great, but he's someone who tends to set up game a lot more than to conclude it. And I don't know, like if you look at Benfica, you you used to see Lima scoring and and Jonas scoring and everyone scoring. Now Sporting, you see that Slimani has 18 goals, and you go on and you search for the second top scorer of the team, and it's Adrian, mostly because of the penalties. With seven, yeah, and that explains a lot because everything's going towards Slimani in goal scoring wise. There have been a really low amount of matches in which Sporting won without a Slimani goal. Yeah, and, and that also, of course, makes it easier to defend against them, doesn't it? Obviously, because uh, if you block mm-hmm. him as per se, mm-hmm. you you don't because he has a player with extreme influence. And one of the things that makes it so hard is that he's not easy to play with is different from Jonas. Slimani is much different from Jonas, for example. Jonas was the player who played more up front in Mefica, or even from Lima. Either way, Slimani is a lot different. Slimani needs a lot more setup towards him, and if you put the ball on Jonas, Jonas can create him go- a goal himself, and you rarely see that from Slimani without without a really good cross, without a really good setup movement, movement by the other players. Jonas and Lima both could create goals out of nowhere almost and and Slimani is different so you need a second striker who tends to play towards him a lot more like Brian Huiz is doing 
But it's it's difficult. You can't you can't have a team that plays too much focused on one man up front, as good as he is. Yeah, yeah. because he is. Well, who would have thought it? A sporting side who are uh, having a fantastic uh, season in terms of their defence, but are struggling uh, for scoring goals. Definitely not, <laughs> uh, not typical Georges' side. Moving on to FC Porto. Okay, the Dragons, they've been written off I don't know how many times this season. But the fact remains, they're still only six points off top spot. uh, With probably the easiest running of uh, the easiest remaining fixtures of all the three title candidates. Uh, I've got two questions for you, Thiago. Uh, Have you noticed any improvement in Porto since José Pizarro took over from Hulan Lopetegui? And uh, do you think the Dragons still have a chance of snatching the title? Well, I, I think it's really unlikely. Porto has just been too, even more inconsistent than Sporting and Mifiga. So I, I doubt that the, I think that there will be a tendency to for this wipe to get bigger, for this gap to get bigger, and not the opposite. But we'll see. With that said, I've seen some improvement under Pizarro, but I'd, this year's Porto is. The the issues that this team has, in my opinion, in my eyes, are a lot bigger than something that can be solved by a coach that comes in mid-season. It's there's a, there just seems to be this, and I know this is what a lot of supporters say, but I can't avoid saying it as well. Like there's a lot of there's this lack of belief and this lack of will to play and this lack of of Porto. There's a lack of Porto in the Porto side because. You see a couple of players that are there and that they play their arts out for the team, and they're being one of them, Daniel as well. But the others, eh, you can't you can't comment a lot on them. I mean, you compare Brahimi's 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 season from last season to this one, nothing to do with it, nothing to do with each other. And Brahimi last season had good moments and some moments that were a little bit more. Okay, but this year, his good moments are really rare. It's individual quality rarely shows. And there have been a lot of transfers coming in like in the summer. Most of them didn't work. Corona, we thought it would, or at least I thought it would work. Hasn't been starting too many matches. Hasn't confirmed himself as the star I thought he would be by now. And I think that's... I think this sports of sides needs needs summer. It needs the vacation. It needs the preseason. It needs to go under clear change. And I don't mean I don't think that bringing in a lot of other players is a good idea either, because that has been the, the the solution on the last few years, and it hasn't worked out. But just mentally resting and preparing for a season with a coach, I think the best idea is to keep Pizarro, but we'll see. It also depends. I believe it also depends a lot if they win the cup, but we'll see. I think that if Pizarro stays, or even if they bring in another coach, starting fresh in the summer is the best thing for them because the matches that they've won, they they haven't been impressing in my opinion. Winning three two, I believe at home versus Movilense, I don't think they even deserved the win. For example, and they did come back from being. 
from being down, and that's great, and it, show, it showed a little bit of team spirit that I don't think that win would have been done under Lopetegui, to be honest. But So you see a little bit more team spirit, but I don't think a lot of the players are even right for the club. In January, Suk and Maega came in. I'm not a fan of Maega at all. I don't think he has the quality to be in either of the three big teams in Portugal. Suk is a good player, but he's always on the, he's, he's having a tough time to adapt as well. But I, I think it's a lot bigger than just something that a coach can solve all of a sudden. I think that there is a lot of fuss around the team. There are a lot of comments. I don't think that the clubs clubs managers and everyone that works for the club I don't think no one I don't think anyone's happy and there have been a lot of comments going around and a lot of comments from important people that are outside the club that affect the structure and it isn't good that a club needs peace that club needs a summer to reschedule to rework to regroup in my opinion yeah of course it's uh it seems quite strange talking about Porto in these terms after they had exactly. uh, so many years of uh, absolute domination. We're used but, to uh, talking like this about sporting maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like mid season, okay, we need yeah. to reschedule. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Now it's Porto. Yeah. yeah. So uh maybe a discussion for another day, but I think in some ways it's quite an interesting time in Portuguese football because uh, instead of having one dominant team uh, like we've had for really three decades now, uh, yeah. perhaps the uh, you know the dominance in Portuguese football is a little bit up for grabs now. You could argue, but anyway, yeah. that's for that's a discussion for another day. Uh, we have to finish as we started, uh, looking at the current Liga Nós leaders, Benfica, and it's precisely the fact that they are leaders that brings me to my next question for you, Tiago. Now, you just touched on it a little earlier. Uh, the old argument goes, it's easier playing catch-up than leading from the front, or to put it another way, uh, it's one thing getting to first place, it's another thing staying there. Uh, how will Benfica's young side, of course we have to remember they are a very young side, how do you think they will react to the pressure of having to defend top spot, especially with Champions League football to distract them and uh, possibly to exhaust them? Well... If there's a time for Benfica to do that, it's is now with the coach that they have. Huibitari is a really good coach to manage young young players, in my opinion. Don't forget that he won the Portuguese Cup with a really young Vitoria side against Benfica as well. Yeah. And all, he, all of his sides actually at Vitoria de Guimarães, they were always packed of young players, weren't they? Yeah. Because they always had such financial problems, they they had to re- rely on their youth players. But uh, so, both their youth yeah. players and some loanees from Benfica yeah. and Portland, and he always did great with them. He always had this capacity of like motivating them and keeping them at ease enough for them for them to play pressure less almost. And I think he's going to do well now, but it depends a lot on. Because it's not just one team, so it depends a lot on how Sporting adapt to playing catch-up. And I think that while I do believe that Benfica can do well keeping top spot, Sporting is going to step up now playing catch-up. Because Sporting hasn't been playing well, in my opinion, in the second half of the season. Since Sporting started losing points, I don't think Sporting has been the same. And now the Jesus factor needs to come in. It's not just a something that they w- people want to see, people need it, because Sporting needs this title. So, 
So it will be interesting to see how Sporting steps up and how Sporting shows up in the pitch this weekend. And how Benfica does. And we'll see how the Champions League affects that. I mean, there will be the draw soon. And there are a lot of tough, a lot of tough teams. I, answering to something you asked earlier, I don't think Benfica can dream with a lot. Because you never can. It's the Champions League. There's something called Barcelona in it with Neymar and Messi <laughs> and Suarez. You can't really. I think that even Bayern Munich is like, uh, I don't think this is our year. But with that said, if you can, I would say if you can, depending on the draw, if you can dream with stepping over another stone. I mean, you have Wolfsburg. You have sides that are. I'm not saying Wolfsburg is a bad side, but if Benfica comes as organized as they were against Zenit, I think Benfica can put in a good shift versus Wolfsburg if that's if that's the case. Assuming it's a easy quote unquote easy draw. Uh, if the if it's something like Barcelona, like a Bayern Munich, it's it's always going to be tough. Depending if Bayern Munich, Bayern even goes through, yeah. the that's always going to be tough. So depending on the draw. I think their their mental focus towards the Champions League will be different. If they get a team that they feel like they can beat, that they feel like they can put on a good shift against, like Wolfsburg, in my opinion. I'm now now if my now if my feet draws Wolfsburg, <laughs> they're gonna lose just to just to be against my argument. <laughs> but I'm saying that this so many times. But yeah, if there's a team that comes up against my feet and my feet feels like they can win it. It feels like if he has a chance to go through to the semi-finals, which which would be absolutely great. Um, Benfica's focus will draw a little bit off the league, but if if Benfica's focus, if there's seem like one of the bigger sides like Real, like Barcelona, Benfica will probably know that they they need to put on a good shift to show good image, but they're probably not going through. So let's focus on the league. So that will affect everything a lot. Sporting doesn't have any other competitions, any other at all. Sporting hasn't been doing great outside the league. And we'll see how the whole thing affects each other. We'll yeah. see. I think I think it's going to be interesting. And in the back side you have Porto still trying to figure out who's playing center back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Nobody knows exactly how 2015-16 will pan out, but it promises to be an exciting climax to what has been a season really full of surprises. Uh, we shall, of course, be keeping track of it here on the pod. Uh, unfortunately, time has beaten us again. Uh, Tiago, thank you very much for sharing thank your you. expertise with us. Thank you very much. I'll be here next time, let's hope. <laughs> yep. And thank you for listening, listeners. Don't forget, for all your Portuguese football needs, head to the Portugal site. That's www.portugal.net, P-O-R-T-U-G-O-A-L.net. And até a próxima.